Swan. My name is Emma Swan. You're listening to Once, episode 280, Tougher Than the Rest. Welcome back to another episode of Once, the unofficial podcast for ABC's TV show, Once Upon a Time. I'm Daniel J. Lewis. I'm Jeremy Laughlin. And I'm Heather Ordover. And we're happy to be back with the podcast, getting the team back together again. Happy to have you here, too. And we've got some of your feedback. We've got more depth to dig into with this episode, Tougher Than the Rest. And this episode was tougher than the rest for many people to watch and swallow. I don't know about that. (laughs) According to Show Buzz Daily, and yeah, I agree with you. I think this was a good episode. um, But according to Show Buzz Daily, this was the lowest rated episode of the entire series, specifically for the demographic of adults 18 to 34. Yeah. And as times keep changing and people learn more and more and more and have better and better ways to stream their TV when they want to watch it, I think that's just going to continue happening pretty much for every show. Yeah, I think so. They're going to—they're really going to need to figure out another way to calculate market share. And they're going to have to be clearer about where and when and for how long they're allowing their stuff to stream for. Because Hulu's been pulling stuff from the archives and uh, and not not keeping it live, so you can't go back and watch the entire— The all of the all of it. And I was kind of bummed about that. Yeah, that is a big bummer because that was the go-to place for people who couldn't watch it live to be able to say, go to Hulu because you can watch all of the past episodes and get the current episodes within a short amount of time after they air. Right. But we can't do that anymore. There's no no single place we can say watch everything without having to buy all of the seasons. Right. Yeah, it's on Netflix. Which, so you can watch it, but you can't watch the current season on Netflix. Yeah. Uh, so catch it live, catch it on Hulu, or buy it. That's, that's kind of your options right now. But moving past that downer, I do want to tell you in a little bit and tease this idea that you have the opportunity to be a producer of the podcast with us. Woo-hoo. What you heard at the beginning of this episode where we started with a sound clip the first time ever in six years. <laughs> Let it be written in the future <laughs> Wikipedia <laughs> site about that lists every episode of this podcast. I hope somebody's going to create that. That's one way that we're making the podcast more fun, making the show more fun. And there are other ways that you'll be able to participate in making this a lot more fun too. I'll tell you more about that in a little bit, but let's get into talking about this episode of Once Upon a Time Tougher Than the Rest. Starting with the past that's in Minneapolis during winter of 1990, this is the same actress, McKenna Grace, who played young Emma in the episode a season ago, 501, The Dark Swan. And so this actually fits nicely timeline-wise as well. This is probably about a year later or so. Uh, We know from this that she's run away from her um, group home 
foster home that she was in. We don't exactly know which one that was. I kind of wonder, was it Mr. Raskin's foster home? Remember the the one that she didn't really like that much? And by the way, if you're also wondering where else might you have recognized the same actress who played Yana Emma, she was in the movie Independence Day Resurgence as Daisy. So if you thought, I know that girl when you watched that movie, well, now you know why. But she was reading this little book, The Golden Age Compendium of Children's Fairy Tales. <laughs> like you do. I was looking for Easter eggs on the book, like names of cast or production staff and such. All I saw is the name Fred. I didn't see a last name, but I looked through the credits, at least on IMDb for this episode, and no one has the first name Fred. I am pretty sure a lot of people have the first name Fred. But not who worked on this episode, at least that were listed (laughs) in the credits. But on the back of the book, it does list several stories that are contained within it. The Ugly Duckling, Thumbelina... I'm just going to go with that. I'm not going to try and say that again. Uh, I talked about that already in the initial reactions, my struggle with pronouncing those words. Uh, Also, the red shoes, the princess on the pea, the emperor's new clothes. And in the book itself, there are some pages from the story, The Nightingale. Now, all of those stories I just mentioned, you may recognize they're all Hans Christian Andersen stories. But most of them burned, which is very symbolic because they decided not to use those stories in Once Upon a Time. Yeah. now Because she didn't like Denmark. (laughs) Also on the cover, though, there is the princess and the frog from The Frog Prince. And there's... uh, a picture of the white rabbit from Alice in Wonderland on the cover, but those stories aren't mentioned on the book itself. The true story. Now, here in this scene in Minneapolis, what do you think was going on between Emma and the other kids that were hanging out there? It looked like they were telling her not to do something that she was doing to me, but I know that wasn't right. Or like Merlin did a year ago, and he's like, don't, Emma, (laughs) bad things will happen. Don't take the sword. It would have been almost funny if he appeared and said, I told you. (laughs) (laughs) Now you're on the street. (laughs) I got the impression that Emma is kind of being rejected by everyone else there because there she is sitting all alone by herself, burning what few possessions she has in order to try and stay warm. And she looked at that other girl and the other girl just kind of looked like she was like, uh-uh. Almost, my impression was Emma was thinking, I'm cold, can I join you guys, please? And the other girl's like, no, you can't be part of our group. You don't belong with the other street children. Yeah, the street is just as cliquish as any middle school in America. Hmm. Mean girls abound. Humans. <laughs> Those pesky humans. <laughs> but August came to visit during him. Yeah, they, like Jeremy said, they cast the perfect person to play a young yeah. August. Yeah. The one thing that kind of doesn't make sense to me, and I could be forgetting some things here. I thought originally August, when he ran away mm-hmm. from the Raskins' home, he said that like he stayed completely away. But do you remember his saying anything about like he kept an eye on Emma or he was watching her from afar? I have a very vague memory of him possibly even using the term keeping tabs. Okay. Yeah. He did in this episode. He said. For a while. 
Yeah. And then he kept an eye on her. Went yeah. off to be and then went selfish. Yeah. <laughs> so he, he pops in, gives a little He's pep a talk, pops out, goes back to Pleasure Island, I guess. Selfish, cowardly, and false. <laughs> Not that we're judging, mind you. <laughs> <laughs> but it does set up this idea that we kind of talked about in a different way in the initial reactions, but the idea that, you no, know, the it was really a duck. The ugly duckling, yay me, was actually a duck, but believed so hard that it became a swan. And apparently Geppetto was the purveyor of that false news or fake news today. <laughs> it's just alternative news. <laughs> alternative fairy tale facts. Yeah. I, AFFs. It, I don't like reinterpreting the story i mean it's fine mm. but i think it's a more powerful story the way it was written originally yeah. yeah with the message being that the beauty was in the eye of the beholder and this small group of ducks just didn't understand the swan was always a swan the swan was always beautiful the swan didn't have to change to become beautiful to reinterpret yeah. the story seems counterproductive to the overall message of the show or one of the overall messages of the show by saying yep. that no to be beautiful the duck actually did have to transform into a swan mm. like i mean it's not a it's not a horrible thing but it's sort of yes like, it is no it is it really really is for all of the reasons you said and then you add to it girl because that's really really bad dangerous messaging i think and i don't get like this very often instead of saying you are always beautiful it's like saying you do have to become something better, but just believe really hard that you can be something totally something... different than what you are. Exactly. Like... I mean, it's very much like the end of Greece, right? Where she has to go and put on leather and <laughs> stilettos to be accepted as huh. pretty enough. And they, when they did the Grease Live on, on TV last year, this last year, year before – um, I thought they actually did a really good job at fixing the ending and and making it more palatable to a more modern audience. Hmm, interesting. But but I I mean my head snapped up when I was watching this scene and I thought that can't be what they mean with this because it did seem kind of to go against a lot of what I had thought had been going on in the story kind of the it's the it's the uncovering of the layers it's finding out who you really are inside right it's growing growing into your own and becoming a grown-up or the best grown-up you can be the best you you can be to be fair i think we could be reading a bit too much into it because what they're intending to communicate is that you don't have to be limited if you believe you can you can which i know they're they're conflicting ideas okay, around I that can, too but i can see that I, the, the main point is that don't let your unbelief stop you from accomplishing your dream or changing your quote fate you're not yeah. stuck in something you can work your way out of it and the first step to that is believing you can you're actually right. get unstuck from it it's it's the fake it till you make it it's the the if you if you put yourself out there like you are capable of these things. Believe you, it's possible and start working towards that. You believe it's possible that. and start working towards it, then yeah. I like that. I think it gets it gets muddy because it's a girl and it's the ugly duckling. Mm, yeah. And I think and, and unfortunately I don't think there are any other 
uh, easily accessible stories that they could have gone to to get at what you just said, Daniel. Well, and jumping then to the next scene that we see right after this in the past, I think that their using of this ugly duckling story, I feel like I get to cheer for myself every time I say that correctly. <laughs> you have to have been listening to the job. podcast for a while to understand how badly yeah. I struggled with that. You believed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and you did it. And now I'm a swan. But... Um, <laughs> So I think that the the purpose of using this story ties in really nicely with how Emma got her name. Apparently, this wasn't actually how she originally was supposed to have gotten her name. Because back in 2013, Jennifer Morrison, who plays Emma, tweeted in response to a question about would we ever get to see where Emma got her name. Jennifer Morrison said back then, it has not been shown on the show but it was her first foster parent's last name. So that's mm-hmm. different than what we see here. And it didn't quite make sense back then. I think this version makes a lot more sense. Maybe they miscommunicated yeah. or maybe there was a wrong script or something like that way back then in 2013. And that's what Jennifer well, Morrison saw. I mean, at some point, a child in the foster system would be given a last name if no last name was known. And there would be records, even though she spent a whole week maybe on the streets, they would figure out who she is, I would imagine, and connect her with her real last name. In the adoption system, she would get a new name when she's adopted, but Emma never was adopted. She went from foster home to foster home. Interesting idea. And they had no way of tracking her down because, remember, she's from fairy tale land, so there would be no truth about her. I mean, when they all, come up to her and say, where are your papers? We need to see your papers. <laughs> she had nothing to hand over. Yeah. The only thing they know for sure is when she was found, she had a baby blanket that said Emma on it. That's the only thing they knew for sure about her when she was found there in Maine. So for them to accept your Emma Swan, okay, makes sense. And I like the history then of how she actually got that name. I do like yeah. it. Yeah. It's very possible that it was Jennifer Morrison doing, you know, good actor work where she had to create a backstory if they didn't provide one for her. Hmm. And I mean, she'd been doing the show for a while at that point. I think it's it's fairly likely that she might have just kind of felt like it was canon because it was what she was working from. Before we move on to talking about the wish realm, I do want to tell you what I've been teasing the idea that you get the opportunity to be producers of the podcast with us. That doesn't mean that you need to edit our podcast for us. But it means that you can send produced audio for us to use. So let me give you some ideas of some things you could do. If you have some experience with audio editing, the main thing is I request is don't use copyrighted material from anywhere other than the TV show. Uh, You can find stock music in places. You can find free sound effects that are royalty free and uh, creative commons or no attribution or stuff like that. You can do all of that. Just make sure you're not stealing copyrighted material from anywhere but you can make audio segments for us so maybe you want to even make something from the podcast or from the tv show like a little bumper into a segment or maybe it's grabbing somewhere where jeremy went on a squid ink rampage and you grab a sound clip from that maybe it's some little music that you want us to use that can be our transition music from talking about one realm to another realm maybe it's something else It's open to you to think of what kinds of things you could create for the podcast. Now, that does not only have to be audio. 
you could also create something visual, like if you want to create images for our episodes, you want to create a special featured image that we would use for the episode, or you want to highlight something on an image for us. Again, make sure that uh, it is high quality, so don't just do a basic search on the web and you find this inky dinky tiny little image that's extremely mm-hmm. blurry. Try and get something that's high definition and don't ask for our permission. Don't ask for what do you need? Just do it. If you have the skills to do this kind of stuff, go wild with it. Have some fun. Send us your clips. I can't promise you we can use any of it. And of course, make <laughs> sure it is clean. It absolutely must be clean. And yes. I, I may need to do a little bit of further editing or processing on it just to touch it up and make sure it works for us. But this is your opportunity to be part of the podcast. So if you can't send feedback or don't have any feedback to send, or you're not able to send any uh, financial contributions to the podcast, or you've already written a review, or you're not able to write a review or whatever, but you still want to be part of the podcast, or you've already done any of those things, this is an awesome opportunity for you to be a producer of the podcast with us by providing these little segments that we can use in the podcast and around the podcast. So anything like that, simply email it to feedback at oncepodcast.com. As much as possible, send a completed version, not something like, how's this sound? I can do this or I can change this. Please don't make me make a decision on any of that. Just send me something that you think is your best work and maybe suggestions how to use it in the podcast, or you could say, hey, I want to turn this into something, or anything like that. Have fun with it. Send it to feedback at oncepodcast.com, and we can try and start including it in our future episodes to make the podcast more fun, and in some ways, even make the TV show more fun, getting you more engaged and more involved with it. So have fun with that, and email us feedback at oncepodcast.com with whatever kinds of amazing creative ideas you come up with because you are smart you are like a swan and if you aren't just believe and you can become smart yeah. <laughs> exactly coming back to once upon a time <laughs> starting in the wish realm when we pick up here right where we left off before the season hiatus with the robbery something i didn't catch in our first watching but i know jeremy talked about it regina did mm-hmm. say here why didn't Robin age? Everyone else aged. Well, Ooh, right off the bat, everyone that is except Sheriff Nottingham. No. <laughs> Plot no. hole. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it. You ruined everything. And you, I actually am not the one who noticed it. You know, someone's going to make that into a sound clip now. <laughs> there's a suggestion for you turn that into a sound clap Thanks and send you. that back to me there you go you're giving them away free so at some point jeremy won't even have to say anything i'll just be here and able to press a button and he'll say dana you ruined everything or press another button and he says squid ink and that's your plan isn't it it is i'm being replaced by sound clips by a toggle switch <laughs> all of these jobs are going to robots you know that so And now it's yours, too. <laughs> so, oh, anyway, uh, we mentioned in initial reactions how it was kind of cool to see Henry looking keenly. And, Jeremy, yeah. you mentioned uh, the Instagram photo of King Henry. Right. And Gareth pointed out something interesting here. He said, I think Henry is king or in charge because Snow and David are dead and everyone believes that Emma has been kidnapped by the evil queen. And apparently this snow, and now this is me talking, apparently this snow and David 
didn't have a baby Neil. So Emma is their only child. She would be queen. But if there's no Emma, then Henry would be the next in line. So he would be king or acting king. So they really did just have Neil so they could experience the baby years. <laughs> Maybe. Just kidding. And I've, I've got more to say about the baby years, but that'll be later on. <laughs> uh, Was that baby years or baby ears? Gareth also said, I think if Emma was around, then she would be queen in the Wish Realm. That is, the Wish Realm seems too solid to be a mere throwaway world. It is a world with no savior and a crazy rumple running around loose. At some point, this world might need its own savior. I wonder if Agrabah is somehow in the Wish Realm. No. Perhaps someone wished it there, and that is why it disappeared from the real world. In that case... We will see that world again when we catch up with Aladdin and Jasmine. You know, alternative idea is, well, this does plant that idea that someone probably said, I wish Agrabah to be safe forever. And then something happens to it. Well, one thing that could happen is that Agrabah disappears, but reappears only once every 100 years. Brigadoon. I don't like any of that. Brigadoon. I certainly hope that this realm is gone now that all the real people have been taken from it. And part of the reason I hope that is because if it's not true, first of all, it's terrible that the Snow and David there were killed by Regina. And second, it just adds one more layer of stupid assumptions to our heroes. Yeah, They are all absolutely convinced with no real solid knowledge that everything there is fake. They're like, oh, it was created by a wish. Well, how do they know that string theory isn't true? <laughs> And wishes transcend dimensions. They don't know that. It's so, like, they they believe in magic, but they don't stop for a second to think, well, you know what, maybe this is actually an alternate reality, and we probably shouldn't kill people here. The, but, you know, the one, the one big piece of evidence they have is that Emma woke up. Like, what happened to the Emma who belongs there mm-hmm. when that Emma appeared if the whole place wasn't created by the wish? Yeah. So there's that. Not that a realm created by a wish couldn't be real in some way. Unless this realm was already created in some way and Emma was simply transported to it, cursed to it with fake memories. Sound Mm -hmm. familiar? Yeah. They recycle this concept. Because what if going back to when Hades annihilated Robin Hood, what if it wasn't actually annihilation? What if the Olympian crystal created this other world and sent that spirit of Robin that we saw for a moment that caused everyone to cry and it sent him to this other world, but in kind of a daze and with fake memories. No, I don't like Again, you. recycling plot point. What if every time Regina crushes a heart, they go to a very specific realm? <laughs> The realm of broken hearts. (laughs) And they're all there waiting to be rescued. With the queen of hearts. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Tie in. Well, so, I mean, if, if the Olympian crystal did that, I think suddenly everything could be actually fixed. Like to realize, okay, they're not bringing Robin back from the dead because he wasn't actually dead. That was a a lie that it ended him. It actually transported his spirit to some other realm. And now his actual spirit just needs to be reawoken. And 
similar kind of magic is the same thing that happened to Emma is that she was transported to another realm, although we didn't get to see the ghostly kind of thing there happen. In a way, I don't want that to be it, but I'd rather that Olympian crystal plot hole story device be the truth instead of Robin was annihilated or dead, but his spirit went to this other realm and he's brought back and he'll eventually be reawoken. Which is code for the actor pulled really well. And so we had to find a way to bring him back. Yeah. (laughs) Well, like I said, I think they're just fixing a terrible mistake. Yeah. (laughs) You don't. A show about hope should not annihilate souls. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Put that on a t-shirt and smoke it. <laughs> <laughs> but that's also, but it's also annihilating the hope for Regina, right? Yeah. I yeah. mean, if uh, because if she doesn't get a happy ending at all, ever, for real, then what does that say about redemption? Although there was the the beautiful thing that we saw in a previous episode. I'm trying to look up to find what it was. But remember, uh, oh, it was um, 601, the savior, when Zelina lost Robin's feather that she was supposed to give to Regina, and Regina was starting to get mad at Zelina. It's what caused the whole rift between Zelina and Regina there for a little while. And it was at the end of that episode that Regina was sitting on the bench in front of the town hall with Snow White, and they had this excellent heart-to-heart conversation that really showed the development of Regina's character. And they got up walking arm in arm like best buddies now. And then the feather slowly fell down onto the park bench. And it kind of signaled some massive maturity change in Regina to kind of say, yes, this horrible thing happened. She had her love, her soulmate ripped from her horribly. But she powered through. Yeah, I'm not trying to be political with that, but I figured I'd use that term anyway. No, but it's but that is that is a really good point because that's like the that's the the moment where she she puts on her big girl pants and says, "Okay, mm-hmm. so so stuff sucks, and and we're going to be okay. We're 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 going to make it because Snow's been through a lot of trouble. Regina's certainly caused a lot of trouble. Yeah, but it's true. I thought it was kind of a Forrest Gumpy moment when. Mm-hmm. When uh, the feather drifted down, but I, I like this interpretation better. So Emma goes to visit Pinocchio in this realm, and Pinocchio mentioned that there's an enchanted grove. Remember, back in the actual enchanted forest, there was only that one tree left. All of the other trees had been cut down. So why would it be different here? Because reasons. I, I... No, because this is the <laughs> realm of plot holes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And I don't care because it's fake. Except that somehow they were able to use fake enchanted wood to get back to their own realm. Emma used the phrase later on that the place will be like a dream once they've left. Mm-hmm. She was telling, actually, maybe it was before this, she was telling Regina not to get sucked into it. Ooh. And I hope, I forgot that. again, that that's not just our heroes being really dumb and making bad assumptions. Because suddenly they all seem to know all the mechanics of all the new things that they encounter, like an entire world with a different history. But I hope they're right. I hope that's educating us in the concept and not something that's going to be proven wrong later. Hmm. 
when Regina finds Robin there in the tavern, there's this nice flashback to episode 303, Quite a Common Fairy. That's when Tinkerbell showed Regina, oh, look, there's the man with the lion tattoo. He's your soulmate. And it was neat <laughs> to see that flashback again. And, and I think they felt they needed to show the audience that too, to remind us. One thing that I did struggle with here, and this being another one of those plot hole things, is the cuff. Ugh. That is the cuff that Peter Pan created. Oh, that one is. Well, that's the origin of the cuff, is Peter Pan created it. Oh, you're right. I'm getting my cuffs mixed up because there are more now. There are the gold cuffs that are locators. But doggone it, people, guard your wrists. What in the world? I'm getting so tired of these sneak attacks. Like, apparently, it's really easy to just walk up and snap a cuff on someone's wrist, even when you've done it before. Like, they just walk in and snap it on her wrist and just, ugh, again. Well, to her credit, she was probably thinking, Peter Pan isn't in this world, so the cuff doesn't exist. I have no reason to worry about the cuff. Oh, stink. There's the cuff. Yeah, I guess when one has magic, one worries less about things like, I don't know, other kinds of shackles that he could have been putting on her wrist or something like that. But like personal space, like wouldn't you normally recoil a little bit? I don't know. It's happened a lot between gold and his cuffs that he's been putting on people and this. It's like enough with the cuffs. Mm-hmm. When they go to this enchanted grove and they find the tree, August was talking, well, he's Pinocchio here in this realm. Right. He was talking about how, uh, you know, he's not the the wood carver his father was and all of this. So that's where that, that believing thing comes in. But uh, he he talks very highly of this specific chisel. And I have a feeling that that's the chisel Geppetto used to carve Pinocchio out of the enchanted wood. Could be. Because the way the original Pinocchio story goes is that there was this piece of wood that Geppetto, the wood carver, somehow acquired, and that the wood itself, if I'm remembering the story correctly, the wood itself was already enchanted and it was talking. Now, that's different from the Disney version which is we see Geppetto made this puppet and then the fairy comes and makes the puppet semi-boy and then later the puppet gets to be a real boy. Uh, that's not the way it was in the original story. It was that Geppetto carved the, the, the Pinocchio out of the wood and the wood was already enchanted and talking and even complaining as Geppetto was carving it. So... I think that's the same chisel because of the way that Pinocchio speaks of it. I had actually assumed that 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 must because he talked about it with such reverence and there's only one of them mm-hmm. and there's only one of him. He had such a whole framework of how this works. Like it's an enchanted tree. You have to use this chisel. It's very important that you use this chisel And you have to be in conversation with the tools and the material and all this stuff. And I highlight that importance that he placed on the chisel for this task for a very specific reason that I'll get to in a moment. Mm -hmm. 
tease. Mm-hmm. Yep, I'm I'm practicing. <laughs> <laughs> I loved seeing Hook the way he was. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't recognize him for the longest time. At the first glance, I thought, oh, well, that's because I didn't see his hook at first. Oh. He had it behind his back. And I I thought, oh, that has to be him. No, that can't be him. No, he's much good, much better looking than that. Oh, my gosh. Look at that. I love this. There were two introductions. First hook and then hook stomach. <laughs> it was yes. wonderful. That was fantastic. He must have had a ball. That had to be so much fun. Brushing the hair out of his eyes. Also, Princess Enya. <laughs> Did he say Enya or Edna? He said Enya. Oh, okay. Because you like to watch with captions. And I saw it before. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I've learned to ignore captions, actually. <laughs> then let's turn them off. <laughs> Except for moments like They're that. They're there for important moments like this, and I just wasn't paying attention <laughs> to that. That's funny. Uh, so, really, though, the reason that I brought up how he was talking about the chisel is that the moment it gets broken, he starts going... I can't live up to Papa. I you shouldn't have trusted me. Blah. And he runs away. Like what? It got broken. How was that his fault? And how does he just explain that he had to have the chisel in order to do this work and now it's broken. So how does that make him a failure? Because he let Hook steal the chisel? I didn't understand what was happening at that point. I think because he felt like he was Emma's hope. And yes. the only way he could do that, he was already having an imposter syndrome going on and feeling like he was not qualified to be the one doing this. Okay. But he has this tool and this is the thing that he'll be able to do to use to help Emma. But, oh, no, now it's broken. Now I'm completely useless. Now my friend who trusted in me, I've let her down. Blah. But it would have been the same for Geppetto. So, because he didn't even get a chance to try. Hmm. I didn't understand. And then he he ran off, but later he was fine, and they didn't even address it again. And then, like, I guess the chisel was fixed. There's a whole blank spot where I feel like, why didn't they just cut out his tantrum? Because I don't understand. It didn't fit with the rest of what happened. Well, later it was a different chisel. Oh, okay. Then I found a different chisel there in the little toolbox. Two viewings, and I missed that somehow. Meanwhile, Robin and Regina are locked in a cage. and uh, Just where they always wanted to be. <laughs> in this realm, apparently what Tinkerbell had said about Robin did end up being true. Remember, what Tinkerbell had said is that because Regina did not find her soulmate back in the episode Quite a Common Fairy, that basically something like, wow, you doomed Robin to live a horrible life. And we had some conflicting opinions, and I know I said some controversial things about that, but basically (laughs) Robin's life in real world was not horrible without Regina. Yes, some bad things happened, but he had a wife, he had a son, he had friends, he was a noble thief, if that's not an oxymoron, He was robbing from the rich and giving to the poor. He did have an okay or a good life. It wasn't a horrible life, but here in this wish realm, it was a horrible life because Regina wasn't there. Interesting. That's true. 
Mm-hmm. I liked this scene. It was such a roller coaster. We got some old school once upon a time spookiness with Sheriff getting sucked back into the forest. You've got to watch oh, the movie yeah. The Forgotten. Oh, that no. is <laughs> pulled right from the movie The Forgotten, which is <laughs> interesting because the movie Forgo- The Forgotten. So let me set up this premise here without giving away any spoilers. The movie The Forgotten starring Julianne Moore is about a mother who lost a son. And then as things progress, it seems like she never had a son. And no one else around her remembers her son. And she's like, no, I remember him. And that's why the movie's called The Forgotten, is the son is kind of like the forgotten one. And this yanking someone away like that is in the movie. It's an interesting movie, uh, a little scary near the end so maybe don't watch it with kids I think those are spoilers but it, it is a cool movie and so that the movie is called the forgotten and it's about forgetting people like that is interesting because here in this realm where mm-hmm. they use this technique and maybe they weren't even thinking of the movie the forgotten when they use that technique um but in this realm it's about the forgotten person and people have forgotten these things but the reason i say it's a roller coaster is because it was super creepy, and then instantly reaching, I was like, oh, I know who did that. He's on our side. It's fine. And then I'm like, <laughs> yeah. oh, okay, moment over. And then he's he shows up, and he's like, but here are Belle's bones, and he dumps them on the ground. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, <laughs> creepy returned, and I'm scared of him again. <laughs> Meredith of Everett, Washington, pointed out something to us. She said, Adam and Eddie were asked if there's a different version of Bell, and this was before this episode aired. It was in an interview that contained some spoilers about this episode, and so they were asked if there was if there would be a different version of Bell in this wish realm. And quoting from Meredith of Everett, Washington, here, she said, "And they said that we'd see a version of her we never saw before." Yep, <laughs> bones. <laughs> How true. Uh, and I, I keep trying to trace the threads that would result in these outcomes. Mm-hmm. What about the queen being defeated after having promised to cast the curse, apparently, but before doing so, led to... Because Bell in the Tower was long before that, so I don't quite understand what was different that would have led to Bell never... Getting out. Yeah. I think what led to that was that Regina wasn't there. Her people fled. And so Belle was left in the tower with no one taking care of her. But she, just, she had gotten out. She was out. the forgotten <laughs> and just <laughs> died and rotted. I guess I think of this timeline or realm or whatever as being the same up until the queen being defeated. Mm. Yeah, I don't think but so. But I think there are other differences right. that somehow resulted in those things happening like that resulted in her being able to be defeated without casting the curse and therefore emma was never the savior and yeah and neil was in this realm right so that means things happened differently that far back in the past somehow i mean he was the correct age to marry emma yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. so (laughs) mm, weird i yep i call it a wish it's not real (laughs) I liked the, not irony, not poetic justice. I'm not quite sure what you would call it. But when Robin and Regina were locked in the dungeon, here's Rumpel locking Regina in the same dungeon where he previously locked Belle. 
and he's locking Regina, who locked Belle in a tower in his own dungeon. <laughs> so call that poetic justice, call it whatever you want, but it struck me as interesting. Meanwhile, Emma discovers the that there is another chisel there in the toolbox, presumably, and she discovers the little wooden swan. <laughs> Which I guess August, I mean, Pinocchio was planning to surprise her with when he finished his chiseling of the tree. She's like, here, I have this swan that I made for you. It is to remind you of good things. And it is a present that I abandoned in the forest along with you and the chisel that could have done the job. It, it does kind of make me wonder, is there a bit more to their relationship? He certainly hopes so. <laughs> yeah yeah or he was hoping so now he's just gone because he was a wish he's the forgotten (laughs) really go watch that movie that's your assignment america how strange that a man who was once a boy who was once a magical tree started carving a magical tree but turned it into a piece of furniture instead of a person ouch yeah especially for the tree and now we come back to Denmark because Ikea. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not from Denmark, though. Wishful thinking. No. They'd never it would have been perfect, though. <laughs> a magical wardrobe from Ikea would never have been assembled in time to save Emma from the curse. <laughs> no. No, the Torvald would have gotten in the way. <laughs> but nonetheless... Uh. August does finish with carving the enchanted tree into the wardrobe, and they're able to pass through. Three of them are able to pass through this wardrobe. Remember, before the limit was two, but because Geppetto sent Pinocchio through, then the limit was one, and that's why they had to send Emma through by herself. And even that was retconish, but I was okay with it. Yeah. Well, it's a wish realm. So things can be different. There was a grove. Lots of, you know, lots of residual magics that were just kind of hanging out in that tree and they just, they, they, yeah. I'm okay with (laughs) believing that this one could allow more people to pass through because maybe it was a different tree, a bigger tree. This one did kind of seem bigger than the other one. So maybe that had something to do with it as well as other things that could come into play. Don't think too hard about it. That's the main point. (laughs) Dude, they just believed. If I mean, back in like the real world, if they had just believed that more people could go through that wardrobe, it could have happened. That's that's yeah, we'll possibly true. Blue fairy set them up for failure. No matter how ugly of a duckling you are, just believe and you can become a swan. No matter how horrible of a villain you are, just believe and you can become a hero. Just like our heroes for this podcast have been. I don't know what kind of villainous life you once lived, but you are a hero now, and you are a hero to the podcast. So big <laughs> thanks to our heroes for supporting this episode of the podcast. Lisa Slack, Lisa R., Amy Cavalier, and our 22 heroes on Patreon. We couldn't do this podcast without you. We really appreciate your support by contributing month after month to the podcast. It helps pay for things like the hosting, the technology, the microphones, the, the other things that are required to keep the podcast running the editing the show notes writing and much more so thank you thank you thank you for your kind support of one's podcast now if you want to be a hero to the podcast and you haven't had the opportunity to do so yet then please go to onespodcast.com slash hero and 
contribute what you feel this podcast is worth to you, whether that's a dollar a month, $10 a month, whatever it is. Think of it as value for value. We're giving you value by giving this podcast to you. I hope making you laugh, maybe keeping you watching the TV show once upon a time. I've seen emails from people who have said, I'm still watching the show because of the podcast. You guys make the show fun or keep the show fun, maybe. Uh, So thank you very much for that kind encouragement. And if you are like that and we make the show fun for you, then would you consider giving some value back to us by contributing to the podcast and being a hero? Mm -hmm. Go to oncepodcast.com slash hero to join our band of heroes. And thank you for your support. You are a beautiful swan. And also hashtag hire all the nerds. (laughs) 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 And don't forget your, your opportunity to be a producer of the podcast with us. Let's shift then back a little bit and pick up with the Storybrooke timeline. Going toward uh, the beginning, Hook and Charming are walking down the street, and Charming just seems like he's after blood now. Uh, Very different than before. I know he's kind of blaming himself, saying, oh, it's my wish that brought Gideon here. I'm not going to call that a plot hole because that's not even been confirmed. It's just, I think he's blaming himself unnecessarily. I don't think he's at all responsible for bringing Gideon. I think his wish is what caused uh, Evil Queen to be turned into a snake via Gideon. But I get the impression that Gideon would have come to this town anyway. Hook was really funny in this scene, too. He told David he's usually the level-headed voice of reason. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> to which David responds, I'm not going to wake snow until I fix this. That sounds like the David I know. Hmm. It's a stupid thing to say. It's a stupid idea. That's David. <laughs> How do you really feel, Jeremy? He's not the level-headed voice of reason. He's the guy that's like, no, I'm not going to wake snow. I can't wake snow. Well, yes, you can. Yes, you can. Even if just to give her the choice of what her role will be in this matter and keep her informed and keep her trusting that you're not going to just keep her asleep whenever you think you've got something you need to fix before she wakes up. And, you know, by the way, Jenny Goodwin, who plays Snow, just nailed the acting in this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, man, she can stay still like nobody else. In Gold's shop, Gideon's there in explaining these things and there are some some odd things here so in the first half of this season we talked about how it was kind of odd that here's this unborn baby having conversations with his mother and having magical abilities in some way even able to wake his mother from a sleeping curse via a dream this all sounds crazy to say if we weren't watching this show (laughs) but from this Now that Gideon is grown up, he still remembers his womb time. (laughs) So apparently that's a thing now. It's a thing. The womb realm, (laughs) as he thinks of it. (laughs) Uh. But he talked about uh, the dark fairy who was an abusive grandmother. and, And how? Yeah. Well, and the grandfather wouldn't have been too kind either. Remember who grandfather was, Peter yeah. Pan. He wouldn't have been all that nice. Yeah. I forgot about that part. I was thinking about his whole family tree. 
Yeah, it's just not a pleasant family tree, nope. really. Uh-uh. All kinds of abuse going son on. Son of the dark one and the grandson of the black <laughs> That was fairy. not profanity, in case you're wondering. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> so when was he appearing to Bell in visions? If time moved differently there, was it possibly after he went there and grew up that he was appearing to Bell? Oh, that no, that couldn't be. Mm-hmm. I, I see what you're going getting at there. That's an interesting theory. But it couldn't be because Gideon is saying that he remembered Belle and what she said to him. And oh. that's what kept him from turning over to the dark side when oh. uh, Darth Fairy was there trying to turn him over. I see. When, well, and I think Darth Fairy is a perfectly appropriate name for her now. Interesting. Totally. Darth Fairy. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, I guess you're yeah. right. I just still, I was trying to find a loophole that would make him not that smart of an unborn child. But. Hey, my baby's <laughs> born and he's pretty smart. Now. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yep. Have you had visions of him as an adult? No, not yet. Okay. Or not that I know of. Whoa. Yet. <laughs> but just wait. Gideon has this idea that in order to become the hero, he needs to kill the hero. Huh? Gareth said, uh, speaking of Gideon, he is clearly misguided. A question is, where did he get the idea that if he kills Emma, he will become the savior? Who told him that? Someone in the dark world? Perhaps someone who had their own reasoning for wanting Emma dead? Maybe Dark Fairy? Darth Fairy? Is there a reason why Gideon and Emma are both seeing the visions? Perhaps someone is putting them into both of their heads. Interesting theory. He's just like his papa. He's just got a sword instead of a dagger. (laughs) Gareth continues, we are still waiting for someone who can balance light and dark magic. Perhaps if Gideon can find a way to become a hero without killing Emma, he can be the one to match the fetiches. Uh, I like the idea of Emma mentoring Gideon and teaching him how to be a savior. Here we go. Savior 101. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Gideon, uh, uh, not Gideon, Gareth finished up here his thoughts on Gideon saying she can set him on the path the way Henry set her and Jasmine set Aladdin. Thank you for those thoughts, Gareth. Mm, Yep. I can see that happening. It. I mean, the very first lesson just got to be you don't become a hero by killing a hero. Not how this works. That's, that that might take confused. some convincing, though. That's how your journey down to the path of the dark side is completed, is by killing the hero. <laughs> like before, like I know you want to kill Emma, but first we need to sit down and we need to watch these movies, Star Wars specifically. Yes, four, five, and six. <laughs> that is. Yep. Mm-hmm. Thank you. The originals. Thank you. Watch <laughs> yes. the originals. I think he'll understand after that. Now that you're a father, you understand the importance of exposing your son in the correct order. Uh, Which, from what I understand, I have been told it's four, five, one, two, three, six, seven. Yes. I agree. And, and somewhere fit in Rogue One. Wait, no, I take that Yes, back. which I love Rogue One. I like them in release order. Uh, and I? Yes, I do too. I do too. I understood yeah. the the logic behind the sneaking one, two, three in, but I didn't I like one, two, three very I think much. I did watch them in that order with a friend who hadn't seen them. It, it <gasps> was pretty good. 
It was a good way to do it, actually. But we'll we'll <laughs> talk more about that in the Star Wars podcast. Okay, different podcast. Star Wars sorry, podcast. sorry, sorry. <laughs> Which we don't have. Well, we do in the Wish Realm. <laughs> That's right, because we're alternative podcasters in the alternative universe, too. <laughs> alternate universe, <laughs> alternative universe. <laughs> <laughs> it's a realm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Jessica Frey points something out here. She said Gideon said he was twenty-eight. Emma was 28 oh, yes. on her 28th birthday when she became Ooh. the savior and could break the curse. Maybe Aladdin became the savior at 28. Do we think that this has something to do with the prophecy? Maybe Gideon will indeed become the savior as he is the right age and Emma won't die. But like previously mentioned, she will lose her saviorness because her time is up, and another land needs a savior, as Gideon said. Uh, hmm. It's interesting. I just hope they don't systematize it that way. It's kind of weird. Jessica also said Gideon actually really looks like gold and Rumple. That's the same person. Let me say that again. <laughs> Grumple. Jessica also said Gideon actually really looks like gold slash Rumple. Good casting, in my opinion, once again. And... Happy birthday, Jessica. She said, so glad Once Upon a Time came back, and it was a great birthday present to get to watch the premiere. Happy birthday. Did you have a cupcake with a star candle? (laughs) I would love to see a scene of Gideon in whatever realm he came from blowing out a sparkler-style black star candle sticking out of, like, a toadstool for his birthday. (laughs) (laughs) I just want to see the dark realm. And the same music that plays <laughs> when Emma is blowing out her candle, but in like a minor. They could get you to sing it and make it creepy. They <laughs> yeah. could make anything creepy. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> There's a sound bite from you, <laughs> producers. <laughs> Someone needs to make an episode of Nothing But My Segways. Someone else suggested that before. <laughs> and that in and of That's itself a great is idea. <laughs> That's all we're going to do now is speak in sound bites. Mm. When uh, <laughs> Papa and Gideon are chatting there in the woods, I think it's admirable that Rumple is saying to make him pay. It also seems like Rumple doesn't want Gideon to kill Emma. Now, do you think that's because Rumple doesn't want Emma killed? Or do you think it's because Rumple doesn't want Gideon to kill someone, anyone, doesn't matter who? I'm not sure anyone can speak to his motivations anymore. The dude has multiple personalities, and it's irritating to me. I like this Rumple. This one is somewhat in keeping with where we would have expected his character to go he offered yet again more explanation of maybe kind of who his character is and why he goes back and forth. Fine. But I don't get him. I still, we've landed in this place where I'm just like, ah, we'll just tune in and see which rumple we get tonight. Like, I don't quite yeah. understand where he's going or where he's coming from. Now they can stand and have a conversation like normal people. And he's not threatening her. Her being Belle. Also, in this case, in this conversation with Gideon, did he, this most powerful of all Dark Ones ever, not perceive what was happening with the fist? He should have sensed the magic, one would think. I would have thought. What was that? It was kind of crazy. 
It was a good question. Dark One Magic, I assume. And maybe he was wanting that somehow. Maybe. Maybe he was thinking, if my son strikes me down, he'll become the Dark One. And then he can go back and use his Dark One powers to be the savior to the Dark Realm. I don't know. Interesting. I had thought that there was something, but it went by quickly, and I may have just transposed different things. I thought there was something that Rumpel said about not wanting Gideon to kill anyone, like you were saying before, because that that gets back to the the slippery slope, kind of the Cora yeah. and um, all of the things that Cora did. That once you once you cross that line, and wasn't that that was a conversation with Emma and Snow too, wasn't it? Right. Hmm. About crossing crossing over that, that threshold, that, that liminal space of saying, okay, before I hadn't killed, now I have. And that that's a, it's not a deal breaker, but it's a, a game changer and not in a happy way. Gideon does say something about it being his fate, though. <laughs> that's true. Because apparently he's seen the same vision that Emma has seen. Right. But if he believes. He too can be a swan. <laughs> See? Everyone That's what it is. in the show does share one fate in common, and that is to be roughly the same age. <laughs> yeah. Whatever it takes, this universe will make everyone the same age. I'm surprised it hasn't happened to baby Neil yet. Well, and it could happen to Henry. <laughs> if uh, someone sent us an email, we occasionally get these emails from people who actually think we are once upon a time. <laughs> and I discovered why, finally, after years of oh. receiving all of these emails from people who don't listen to the podcast and are saying things like, uh, I want to be on your show. And I'm a great actor. Here's my story. <laughs> or would you use my story? I mean, we get all kinds of really interesting, creative things. But uh, the latest one was someone said, please keep the show on for 10 more years. So if they were to do that, then Henry would eventually be the same age as everyone else. And maybe even baby Neil. They'd figure out mm. some way to make him the same age, send him off to the dark realm. It's like the new boarding school. <laughs> send your kids over there to have them grow Slytherin. up. Slytherin. <laughs> it's a Slytherin house. Back inside the Charmings, uh, David is there saying, I can't wake you yet. And I've, I've, I've got something to do. He's usually so level-headed. <laughs> And he kisses Snow on the forehead. Now let's think about the history of true love's kiss breaking spells. And, and foreheads. Yeah, and foreheads, <laughs> yes. Because in season one, the curse was broken by Emma kissing Henry on the forehead. Season three, a new curse was broken by Regina kissing Henry on the forehead. Here, charming kissed snow on the forehead true love's kiss but it didn't wake her up and it didn't put him back to sleep so i'm guessing that the curse breaking power of true love's kiss works on a relationship level appropriate kind of kiss in the true love's kiss manual under in chapter six on sleeping curses section b and subparagraph 32 it clearly states that a forehead True love's kiss between non-romantic family members will break the curse. Ah, oh, see, I fell asleep before I got to that section. <laughs> <laughs> but you woke up on your own because it was a curse. Do you think that he should have woken Snow or gotten her involved in this in any way? I do. Because 
it, it's kind of a trust thing. I don't know what kind of agreement they've come to, but they seem in the past to have been waking each other up in, in an alternate way, sort of on a schedule. And so she, I mean, how would you feel if you woke up only to discover that days or weeks had passed and you hadn't been woken up like you were supposed to be? You'd been just sort of kept in the dark. Mm. And yeah, it passed in a moment, but you still wake up and you've missed everything. I think that it would make sense to leave her a message like he does and say, here's what's going on. Do you have any thoughts or ideas to contribute in this situation? And please wake me up again so I can get back to work. But, like, I don't know. To me, it feels weird. I understand the sentiment a little bit, but it feels very strange for him to just keep her asleep. It's like, for it to be as little of a curse as possible, it's not exactly his choice as to when she gets to be awake and when she Mm. doesn't. They're kind of working as a team on that. Yeah, they could at least Snapchat each other. <laughs> yes. <laughs> They've been doing well, it looks like, with the video messages and all that sort of thing. So I I think I would vote for he should probably have given her the news and asked that she wake him up again so he can get back to what he was doing. Mm. So now our two realms collide, or maybe one of them ceases to exist. But when... when Emma and Regina arrive back in Storybrooke. Um, Well, first of all, I was surprised that they wrapped that storyline up so quickly. I thought it would take weeks and weeks of battles and twists and turns, and there you go doing it day one. Literally, day one. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I do love that about these last few seasons. Stuff that we would have predicted would have just been tiresome. It's just a fun thing they did for a couple of episodes and it's over. In a way, it's a little disappointing to me because there's this hook for this is the cliffhanger. So you want to watch the next season to discover how this is resolved. And then day one, it's resolved. That kind of feels 1980s or 1990s TV to me. What's wrong with that? <laughs> it's, so much. Yeah. No, because it, this, this wish realm was shallow. And we yeah. didn't need to spend weeks in the pink cardigan, a la season two. <laughs> okay, true. We just, they, you know, we've done the we're not where we belong thing so many times. They need to just go home, explore it, but go home. I kind of felt like it was the, that they were trying to be the anti-lost. <laughs> you know, it's that that we're not going to drag it out. We're not going to give you all sorts of loose ends that we never get around to tying up because, oh, my gosh, we forgot all about those that they were they were trying to cut to the chase more or that. I guess that was the sense that I got because I was surprised several times by that. Wow, that was fast. The other thing that I'm sure was no surprise to any of you listening right now, because you are smart. Statistically, people who listen to podcasts are smarter and also wealthier than the general population. And so we're assuming you are smarter and you are wealthier. And you probably knew that Robin would make it through the wardrobe and eventually pop out because it is that, you know, the classic hero dies in the explosion, but actually, no, he's still alive and he (laughs) flies out of the smoke or he was hanging on to the cliff or he jumped out just the last moment. It's that kind of classic thing. You know, you think they're dead, but you know, they're not dead. And actually they're just right over there. (laughs) They're just right over there. Over there. Over there. Look. (laughs) So I'm, I'm not surprised that he was able to come through now 
they have to reconcile how that all works. And I've already talked about how I think they could do that. And, and uh, I think we'll see some kind of reconciliation where Robin will have some kind of flash or something will happen. He'll fall in love with Regina. He'll kiss Regina. And then that's when he gets all his memories back. You know, something like that's probably going to happen. And it's probably going yeah. to happen exactly that way. <laughs> and in the next episode. Yeah. <laughs> Just day one. One of the things that kind of seems strange, if you assume that Gideon remembers his womb time, <laughs> he would... Go to your womb. <laughs> he would probably see... <laughs> he would probably seem to remember the time right after he was born, too, which is a little awkward. But he <laughs> would then have to remember that Emma was there supporting bell being a friend to bell when bell desperately needed a friend needed protection needed support emma was there helping protect bell helping bell and doesn't he remember that and here he's wanting to kill the woman who helped his mother birth him it's for a good cause oh yeah that's right (laughs) the lives of the many outweigh the lives of the few or the one spock so maybe they have star trek in the black fairies realm <laughs> so we've done star wars we've done star trek yeah both sides have been, have been attended to <laughs> it's now the balancing of the light and dark <laughs> <laughs> wesley crusher will be the one to balance light and dark magic oh my goodness oh, he'll read the audiobook i think Will Wheaton would have liked to be the one under the cloak. Now, yeah. I, I couldn't quite notice, and I forgot to watch for it every time we did a rewatch with this episode, but was Regina still wearing the cuff when she came through? Uh, well, it was a wish cuff, so I would assume that it would disappear, but I don't know. I would assume that, too. <laughs> I didn't notice. I was looking for it before. Good thing it didn't short-circuit the wardrobe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You don't want to fuse with the bark. I loved their awkward hug when he appeared. And A, he doesn't know her like she knows him. And B, he didn't know that she was worried that he wasn't coming through. Yeah. And she just hugs him and then she's like, sorry. Well, no, he did know that it might not work. (laughs) He knew it might not work, but he didn't know. He was the last through, so he didn't know about the delay. Oh. (laughs) That she was standing there thinking he was gone. Yeah, there's a little bit of a latency. Yes. To transfer that many packets between realms. <laughs> it's understandable. The port forwarding has got to be crazy on that kind of firewall. <laughs> we just did a nerd thing, in case you're wondering. Oh, we just did a nerd thing. That was so nerdy. <laughs> I like it. But this does bring us to the the actual fight, the battle. On the day that you see, in the battle that you see, you will die. But not in the tank top that you see, (laughs) because we got to keep you in that strange floral blouse forever. So it does make me wonder, (laughs) back to the Oracle, if the Oracle was actually the Oracle, and if she was telling the truth, I still liked my idea that the Oracle was actually Jafar. I wish we could have kept that, but I kind of feel like I have to give up that theory, since since we haven't seen Jafar. Yeah. Well, I mean, the Agrabah thing could... It'll come back at some point. I've said that about other characters and plot lines that are long since forgotten, though, so I don't know. Lancelot could come back. That's probably the one I was thinking of. (laughs) Yeah. I was convinced they were setting something up with that. And, you know, the way things go, they may have been that 
setting up a plan that they changed, like uh, Dr. Whale and Ruby. Mm. So do you think the Wish Realm still exists nope. in any way? Nope. Well, I hope not. that might be wishful thinking. <laughs> oh, 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 set and spike. <laughs> Meredith of Everett, Washington points out that long name. it was created for Emma, theoretically, unless it was actually created for Robin. Theoretically. Oh. Because of the... The Olympian crystal. Gareth has some thoughts on Robin. He said, we now have someone who is in this world who should be dead. The universe may push back. So Robin might not be able to stay alive and well in the real world forever. And here's my thought on that. What will it send? A wraith? Yeah. I know. That's why I'm thinking too. (laughs) Like since he was supposed to be dead, but then he was not. I'm hearing Isma in my mind now. (laughs) He's alive. (laughs) He's supposed to be dead. This has happened before (laughs) with the same character. (laughs) Wait, what? Uh, Gareth continues saying, um, in which case he might have to go back. If the writers are truly devious, they might be giving us a wolf in sheep's clothing. I also hope this is not the way things are going, but I wouldn't be surprised. Why do I suddenly see a teary goodbye scene as they load Robin onto a boat with Rumpel to take him to the underworld where he'll be safe? Oh, that would be... That would be strange, but it's not outside of the realm of possibility. (laughs) I get that a lot. (laughs) By the time Once Upon a Time is over... We'll just have relabeled this podcast, taking it out of the TV and film category of iTunes and just put it in the comedy category because <laughs> it's just going to be us cracking jokes back and forth, <laughs> laughing at happily ever after. And if you wondered where another <laughs> podcast got that from, it was me, actually. I suggested it to them. If you ever well, heard that, if you know that line I'm so speaking good. of. That was meta. I'm not sure if that's actually the line they ended up using, though. <laughs> but if it was and you heard it, you would hear it you heard as it there loudly first. as August's <laughs> typewriter. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which was as loud as? A Tommy gun. And its nickname is? Tommy. <laughs> That's one of its nicknames. It's Mr. Thompson made the Tommy gun. And the Tommy gun was called the Chicago typewriter because it went rat-a-tat-tat. Oh, nice. And killed the, killed the, the, the peoples. <laughs> yeah. Back in 1920s, is. The, the gangster days of Chicago. The, the gangster. We yes. actually have the dubious distinction of living near the birthplace of Mr. Thompson. It's pretty cool, Daniel though. Daniel and I do. We, we used to drive by the Winchester place from Mr. Winchester back down in Virginia. But I, it's one of those things where, and it happens all the time on Craftlet, where there'll some, some line will go by, like Emma's, I couldn't tell if that was a typewriter or a Tommy gun. And the, the phrase Tommy gun is so archaic in the setting that it's it's one of those things where you go, ah, I'm going to go look that one up. <laughs> I was just I thinking of Home Alone. You know, yeah, I forgive you, but my Tommy gun don't. <laughs> no. Which apparently now the gangster is a Texas cowboy, not a <laughs> New Yorker gangster. In our last scene here from the episode, Belle and Rumpel are there at the well. And... Bell distinctly says 
I'm not making a wish and basically because of bad results, Mm -hmm. bad things will happen. Mm -hmm. But then one minute later, she closes her eyes intentionally, opens them or tosses something into the well and then opens her eyes. That looks like she made a wish. Yes, because she was so reassured by the dark one that she's so terrified of that she sent her son away. She was so reassured by him that she went ahead and made a wish. Well, when he says nice things like this. (laughs) That would be an irrational act of someone so blind with pain they think they're reaching for the cure. When in fact it's just more poison. I know. I've done it myself. He's sounding remorseful. Might he swing back to the light side again? He might. And will she believe him again, or will she just say, how many times nice. have I done this? Nice trade, bub. I don't know. I'd like to see it, but I'd like to see it definitively. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd like the swing and to stop is what I'm thinking. But it does seem like they are going to work together to help. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's a nice thing, to see them working together. I like it. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But they've made Definitely. him, they made their conflict so sharp this season that there Mm -hmm. needs to be a little more nuance to their interactions yeah just not just are we running from each other or well is bell running from him is he keeping her prisoner or are they just chatting about rescuing their son at the well like there's gotta be she should still have trouble trusting him he should still be aware of what he's done to her even if they're going to move forward in working together. And maybe, 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 maybe somehow with true undeniable change in him be together again. But I mean, they've, they've painted it in such a way that we've previously said that can never happen. But, but then mm. you just start a new episode and he's different. And, and it seems plausible because they're good actors. But if you were to play their scenes back to back to back, I think you would just go, what is going on? This makes absolutely no sense. So that's my only beef with it. Otherwise, especially if you can edit out some of the strangely harsh moments from him, it's fine. (laughs) He was terrifying. Yeah. And they can't only simply go back to skin deep and basically start over from there. Yeah. Because there's been so much damage. Mm-hmm. Yes, he appeared as a monster, but Bell saw the man behind the beast. Mm-hmm. Well, now Bell has really seen how beastly he can be. <laughs> yeah. So that's all got to be taken care of before she can see the man again instead mm-hmm. of seeing the beast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But he says this line, which, you know, I, <laughs> this gives me hope. <laughs> I fear if we fail... War is coming to Storybrook. And the clock tower was the first casualty. And clock tower fifth generation is broken. Or whatever. <laughs> I don't know how many times it's been broken. And it was the lost airplane flight number. Oh, of course it was. Wait, what? Of course it was. It was 815. Oh, it was on 815 again? Yeah. Because it had to be. It had to be. It had to be. So do you it was think cool. this is the final battle that we've been talking about since season one? Or should I just really give up that idea? Oh. 
It's part of the forgotten. <laughs> the battle was an idea. If they were going to set up a, a war in Storybrook, right? That sounds cool. I like the sound of there being some kind of war in Storybrook or a battle, mm-hmm. a final battle, especially. If it was any kind of final battle, kind of feels like it'd have to be with someone more menacing and that this was the last villain. But even as they're doing this, uh-uh. we know yeah. there's another villain out there, and that's the Dark Fairy. Well, and as far yeah. as final battles go, I think when that line was written, they still maybe even thought of the entire story arc being the curse, mm-hmm. which they mm-hmm. apparently, we now kind of know, they thought maybe they had to wrap up the whole story in one year because they didn't know if they were going to get season two. So I still think that that was, you know, just a... <laughs> a general line to speak about trying to break the curse. I think Gideon is too, he's too complicated a, a character. I found the first time I watched it through, I thought he was just written really inconsistently. And then I started to think, no, there's, there's not just method acting going on. There is method in, in his madness. And it's, he's a, he's a far more interesting character. I, t- I kind of wanted to go back and watch it one more time. If I hadn't been stuck on a plane of just going through and watching his scenes from the last this episode, but uh, the f- couple back when he first popped up, he's an interesting character, but he doesn't feel like the the uber bad guy. Right. He seems like the child who is has been all alone, is meeting mm-hmm. people for the first time, and is being very selfish and not getting his way and throwing fits yeah. about things. And basically, that's what he is. Yeah, if you're yeah. going to have... He's three years old. I I really like the idea of his character because mm-hmm. he he thinks of himself as a hero and he wants to be that because of Belle, but everything else has just screwed him up, <laughs> or as Belle put it, affected him. <laughs> I, I love it because he's not just the typical, I'm evilly evil and, you, oh, oh, there's a hint that maybe I can be convinced to be good. He's already... He's already there, but he doesn't know how. Yeah. And he has to stop long enough for someone to help him figure it out. But he's yet another misguided villain who, Mm. in the end, Mm -hmm. will probably turn from his ways and be like, oh, I'm sorry. I misunderstood everything. Well, another difference here is that we don't need an origin story. We saw it. It all happened right in front of us, except for what he experienced, of course, growing up. But... It's there, so there are flashbacks to be had there, but we it makes sense from the beginning instead of just you know now we're starting to show flashbacks and we're starting to kind of tie this together, but you don't know at what point we thought of this story. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know if we'll see flashbacks of uh, Dark Realm. Probably will. I don't know spoilers. We'll have spoilers in a little bit from Hunter. And Jacqueline, so maybe they'll mention something about that. If you want to be spoiled, please don't tell me because I like to stay spoiler free. <laughs> you know, another thing I love about it is I, I have this vague memory that a concern was that they didn't really know who was under the hood, but they just put this in and they were going to figure it out later. But I don't feel that way at all yeah. from this. Mm-mm. And the hood is actually oddly apropos given who his father is. We said all the mm-hmm. time that it looked like a dark one. Mm-hmm. And sure, why not? <laughs> He's got a little mm-hmm. dark one in his lineage. <laughs> Yeah, and, <laughs> and that's something, and we've talked about this before, that we don't know because it seems like no other Dark One has had a child after they were the Dark One or while they were the Dark One, you know, right. birthed a child. And here is 
the direct offspring of a dark one. Mm -hmm. While they're a dark one, they're still a dark one. So this child would have dark oneness in them, maybe if that's something that can be generational. He certainly has Mm. magic, and his magic does seem a lot like Rumpel's magic. Some of the things Mm -hmm. that he does, the color of the smoke he uses, and some of his abilities. Mm, Yeah, he's kind of a mauve shade or (laughs) a russet shade instead of the purple. The, and the the red and the he's not quite so dark yet. I did notice that. So this concludes our discussion of this episode, tougher than the rest. And no, I'm not saying this discussion was tougher than the rest. But if you would like to continue the conversation, there are two places you can do that. One is to go to the show notes for this episode at oncepodcast.com/slash two eighty and comment there. Or join our forums over at oncepodcast.com slash forums and talk about this episode, talk about past episodes, talk about future episodes. You can talk about spoilers and designated spoiler sections, as well as stay spoiler free and simply theorize on what could be happening in future episodes based on nothing else other than the title, because we really can't get away uh, with putting episode sections in there without putting an episode title. So sometimes, yeah, the titles might seem a little spoilery. Uh, I can't remember what upcoming titles are so i even even spoiler free and uh, that much but we would love to have you continuing the conversation being part of this community being a producer of the podcast with us being a hero to the podcast and more all of that information is available in the show notes at oncepodcast.com slash 280 and if nothing else that you can do to support us the best thing you can do is go tell someone else about the podcast. In fact, right now, Public Radio is doing this thing or inspired this thing that they're calling Tripod for the month of March 2017. It's basically get someone else to try a podcast month, which is like International Podcast Day expanded to a full month, but not necessarily celebrating podcasting. But that aside, one of the awesome things that you could do since you listen to this podcast, get someone else listening to a podcast. Maybe not this one necessarily, unless they watch the TV show once upon a time. Then tell us, tell them about this podcast, share this episode out with them, but tell them about podcasts, get them subscribed to a podcast that they might like, and maybe they'll work their way around to subscribing to this podcast as well. Who knows? But please share this episode out. Send us your feedback on future episodes, become a hero, become a producer for the podcast and more. Starts at the show notes at oncepodcast.com slash 280. In the meantime, please plan to join us live on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights when we record the podcast on Sunday nights at 9.15 p.m. Eastern, Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern over at oncepodcast.com slash live. Remember to always use that URL when you visit the live show because it might point you to a different place in the future or in the present. And also connect with us on Twitter at OnePodcast. And I'm Daniel J. Lewis on Twitter at the Daniel J. Lewis. I'm Jeremy Laughlin on Twitter at Fleegon. That's P-H-L-E-G-O-N. And this is Heather Ordover, and I'm on Twitter at Mama O. Special thanks to our whole team of volunteers who make this podcast possible. Thanks to Jack for writing our show notes, John Buchanan for editing our episodes, Hunter Hathaway and Jacqueline for providing our spoilers. You'll hear from them in a moment. Jacqueline and Matthew Paul for moderating the forums, Keb for masterminding our timeline, and to my fellow co-hosts, Jeremy, Aaron, Heather, Hunter, and Jacqueline for hosting this podcast with me. And until next time, I have to hurt someone. And you seem like the best candidate. And thanks for listening.
Once Podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Big thanks to our heroes for supporting this episode of the podcast. If you'd like to be a hero to the podcast too, then please go to oncepodcast.com slash hero. And thank you for your support. Hi, Wincers. I'm Hunter Hathaway. And I'm Jacqueline. And it's spoiler time for Once Podcast. We're back. Yes. Weekly now. Weekly. Yay. <laughs> Which means no more hour-long spoiler podcasts. Yes. Which is good and bad. Right. So let's get started with episode 612, Murder Most Foul. Before Hook takes the next step in his relationship with Emma, he wants to make sure David sees him as more than just a pirate. So when David asks Hook to help him uncover the truth about his father's death, Hook agrees. Meanwhile, Regina works to acclimate Robin to life in Storybrooke, but soon discovers he has a dark side that makes the task much more complicated than she anticipated. This one's written by Jerome Schwartz and Jane Espenson and directed by Morgan Beggs. That's a new one, right? It is. I don't think we've ever seen him before. No, I don't remember the name. We do have quite a few guest stars. Yes. We have, of course, Sean McGuire back as Robin of Loxley. Yep. We have Raphael Sabarge as Dr. Archie Hopper, which is nice. We haven't seen him in a few episodes. Yeah, it's been a while. We also have Ian Bailey back as August, which kind of surprised me. I didn't think he was returning for two episodes. I thought it was just one. You never know. Maybe he'll be here the rest of the half of the season. Oh, maybe. <laughs> we also have Alan Dale as King George slash Spencer, whom we have not seen in four years. Wow. Has it been that long? It has been. The last time we saw him was way, way back in very early season two, and he hasn't been mentioned or seen since. Wow. We also have Will Travel as the Sheriff of Nottingham slash Keith. David Cubitt as Robert, Tara Wilson as Ruth, Matt Ellis as Francisco, Bart Anderson as the innkeeper, and we have Luke Rosler, who is pulling double duty as young David and young James. Fun. I like that we get to see him as a little bit younger person. Yeah, it'll be nice to see uh, baby David yeah. because we've seen young Snow and we've seen young Regina uh, Zelina, Emma, Neil, and we've even seen young Rumpel, but we've never seen young, really young David. Unless you count David with the long hair, but I don't. <laughs> no, I, I try to forget <laughs> David with that long hair. <laughs> so we had a promo after last week's episode. Now, they don't really, they're really short nowadays. Is it me or did they seem to get shorter, these promos? They're getting shorter and they're getting way more dramatic than is necessary. <laughs> So it opens up with a video message that um, David's watching of Snow, just saying, like, I love you and all this other stuff. Yep. And then we see Emma says that she's going to break the curse, or they will break the curse, because I guess she's tired of seeing her parents like that. Yeah, it it must be hard for Emma. You know, only one parent can be awake at a time right now. Right. Then Hook and David team up, because he's a pirate, and I need a pirate. Absolutely. <laughs> Who doesn't need a pirate when you're investigating, <laughs> you know, the 30 years since your dad died? Well, no, it's 30 plus. It's definitely it. 30 plus because after the curse and everything, it's a lot right. longer. Yeah. Of course, then Hook keeps is keeping something from Emma. That would have happened, of course. 
Yeah. And she even asks, what are you keeping from me? And we'll actually have more on that in a moment. Yes. Um, we see Robin shooting an arrow. At people. Yeah, people. Because <laughs> he, he's a bad guy now because he's not used to being good. Yeah, he's kind of morally gray at this point. He's not the thief with a heart of gold. Right. And then we see David Rush Huck with a knife holding it to his neck saying that he will never forgive him. So is that where we find out that Huck kills David's parent, dad? Well, I think the promo, if you've been following the spoilers, is making you believe that. But I very, very much doubt they're going to reveal that Hook is actually responsible. It's just not – I just don't think that's what they're going to do. They're not going to say that Emma's current boyfriend killed her grandfather because this show's family relations are already so, (laughs) so messed up. (laughs) Yeah, but it would be fun to have even more messed up. Come on. Oh, sure. Why not? (laughs) I forgive you, Killian, for, you know, killing my grandfather and ruining my father's young childhood. I mean, we need the drama. They are pushing for another season, so. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) But they did put out some photos. They did. It's only of two scenes. Right, and then, of course, they don't say anything. (laughs) Right. Um, A bunch of them are Robin walking around Storybrooke with his bow and arrow, and he's with Regina, and it kind of looks like maybe he hurt his hand or something. Yeah, she looks very concerned and worried, but in one of them, she's, like, got that face, like that sad, worried face. Yeah, and something they are doing, Robin's clothes are noticeably a little bit darker than when we saw our Robin back in, uh, like, season four and season five. So they're trying to tell you that Robin is a bit of a darker fellow than he originally was. Mm-hmm. And uh, the rest of the photos are just of David and Hook individually. Yeah, it looks like they're at the pier. But they don't tell you anything. You just see faces. Just see faces. They look like maybe they're having a conversation. <laughs> so, good. Yep. There's dialogue this episode. <laughs> But sad face, we didn't get any script teases. I know. I was so sad. I had it in the notes. I had a whole section for it, and I go to type it. I'm like, oh, there's no script tease this week. Yeah. So you guys don't get to hear our really uh, stellar acting. We're sorry. Sorry. (laughs) And then one more thing about this episode. We mentioned that in the promo, Emma asks Hook, you know, what are you keeping from me? If you remember back to the end of the first half of this season, we got a promo to keep us going over the winter. And one of the things we saw was an engagement ring. And it seems very, very likely that this is the episode in which Hook will ask Emma to marry him. Aww. Yes. And the current big theory that I'm seeing is that the Captain Swan wedding will actually be the musical episode that they are planning for uh, the very last few one of the last episodes of the season. And we have a lot to talk about with that one. Yes. But that'll be a little bit later. You're just going to have to hold your horses for a couple minutes. <laughs> so we got some new episode titles. We did. Episode 619, The Black Fairy, written by Jerome Schwartz and Dana Horgan. This is possibly the episode in which the heroes will defeat the Black Fairy for good. The villain always seems to die on their centric. I think this is probably the one where we'll no longer see the Black Fairy anymore. And then episode 620, The Song in Your Heart, written by David H. Goodman and Andrew Chambliss. And this looks like it's going to be the musical episode. Yep, this is the musical episode. 
we'll have a lot more to say on that here in a moment. I mean, if you couldn't tell the song in your heart, I mean. Right. They're not subtle with their titles. No. No. Okay. So let's talk about this musical episode. Yes. So we found out it's going to have seven original songs. Are you kind of shocked that they're not pulling Disney songs? Because I was shocked that they wouldn't at least do one Disney song. I am and I'm not. Because they're trying – they, they use the basic storylines of these characters. Mm. But they're not really like – what are the, what songs would they use? I mean Mulan's not in the episode, so they're not going to do like Be a Man or something like that. Like that just doesn't fit. Like they're trying to keep – Yeah. I guess I was kind of picturing maybe Belle singing – one of her songs from Beauty and the Beast, especially since, you know, in, what, two weekends, uh, the big Disney live-action Beauty and the Beast is coming out. I figured once in Disney would get together and be like, hey, how can we self-promote each other? Yeah, but I'm like, if you think about it, the songs that – if they did a musical episode it's like, one of the first episodes of the show, I could see it because all this – We've moved so far away from all of those very true storylines that I'm not that surprised. Yeah. But we did find out Emma will have her own song. She's going to have a whole big solo song. Yes. And I can't wait for this next one. There's going to be a sing-off between the Evil Queen and the Charmings. That so I guess Snow can, Wakes Up. Yes, I do believe Snow Wakes Up a few episodes before in episode 17, I believe it is, Awake. This, however, confuses me because if you guys remember, the Evil Queen is currently a snake in a cage and episode 14, page 23, seems to suggest that the Evil Queen vanishes from the story. You know, we haven't seen her at all since uh, the spoilers for episode page 23 and it was kind of suggested that maybe she goes back to either the wish realm or the enchanted forest with robin hood and you know those two live happily ever after so i'm kind of like why is the evil queen back i mean we saw i saw the notes that it said evil queen but it could just be regina it could just be regina though you you almost got to wonder what's happening in the town that makes the charmings and regina have a sing-off there's a battle at Granny's at the karaoke machine. <laughs> That's it. That's the whole episode. <laughs> it's karaoke night at Granny's. <laughs> the showrunners actually said this is something we're very excited about and we've been working on for a long time. What we've also worked really hard to do is to make this musical a part of the show so it's not just a one-off episode. It's not just like a standalone special. It's actually a huge part of the mythology of the show. And there are some big things that happen in the episode. Uh, the wedding, maybe? Most likely the Captain Swan <sighs> wedding. Frankly, it's been one of the challenges of doing the musical because we never wanted to do something where it was just like a to-the-side, one-off thing and then get back to the main story. We want to see it part of the main story, which meant we had to really plan out this season with some great detail. That must have been hard. I think so, because if you think about it, none of these writers really have – a musical background, to my knowledge. I think the one that would come closest would be Jane Espenson because she did work on Buffy during, you know, Joss Whedon's incredible season six, Once More with Feeling. Yeah, but Josh Whedon is really good with the musical. So oh, you, I, oh, yeah, I believe he, he he did all of it and she just kind of, you know. I mean, Josh I Whedon did um, Dr. Horrible. Yeah. 
Yeah. Which is, if you guys have not seen Dr. Horrible, go watch it. Go watch it. It is the most amazing thing in the world. So, yes, they did bring in two composers to help them write the songs for this. They brought in Alan Zachary and Michael Wiener. They wrote the Broadway musical First Date and the Disney cruise ship show Twice Charmed. And they actually wrote the Celestina Warbeck song from The Wizarding World of Harry Potter at Universal Studios. So they they have a musical background and they very smartly brought in these two guys to help them write the songs. Yeah, and I was also reading that the cast is enjoying this because a lot of them have musical theater background. Yeah, so we know that Emma is going to have a solo. We do know that Colin O'Donohue will be singing, and he has a huge musical background. He's always singing Mm -hmm. and playing his guitar. Regina and the Charmings. There was also a spoiler from TV Line that said someone has a solo number that is quite wicked, which seems to confirm that Zelina probably has a solo. Oh, fun. Yeah. And then the other thing that to me is kind of disappointing – Karen David, who's been playing a Jasmine this season, was asked on Twitter if she would be part of the musical episode, and she said no. Oh. Yeah, so, you know, for those of you who watch Gallivant along with Daniel, Hunter, and myself, um, it's kind of disappointing because she has such a good voice, and it would have been great to see her come back and sing a song. Yeah, no, that she was excellent in that show. She was, and it sounds like once we get past... Aladdin and Jasmine's episode, we're probably never going to see them again. We have a little bit about them, too. Yeah. And actually, that's coming up next. So they were asked about Aladdin and Jasmine's next appearance, and they all they said is we're going to be seeing them under heroic circumstances, not immediately in the second half, but they will be back. We'll be seeing Agrabah and some of their adventures there, and Jafar will be back in full force. Yeah, and that will be episode 15, A Wondrous Place, which sees Aladdin and Jasmine team up with Captain Swan to, I suppose, save Agrabah. we got Charming's father. We're going to find out what happens to him by Easter. So that's... This weekend. (laughs) Well, maybe they're going to spread it out. I See, I don't think so. They said by Easter, and there are only a few episodes before we hit Easter, and all of those centrics and storylines we seem to know. So this is Charming's Weekend. We have Rumple up next, and then we have Regina, and then we have the Jasmine and Aladdin slash Captain Swan episode. And that's actually, I believe, Easter. So okay. I think we're definitely going to learn this weekend what happened to his father. Am I really that far? We've got like a month until Easter. <laughs> yeah, it's- That's why I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> I'm like, my timing's all off. <laughs> This this break did not do well for me. I was so confused on Sunday. <laughs> so let's see. Oh, we get to see Rumple and Bay's story in the early days. Yeah, and we do know that they recast a slightly older, or it's either an older or a younger version of Bay, because obviously um, Dylan Schmidt, who played Balefire usually, is, you know, like, 19 now and can't It'd be the really Henry come effect. Back. It would be the Henry effect. We would just have to ignore the fact <laughs> that he's clearly older than when he fell through the portal. Um, <laughs> but that will be next week. So right after Charming's episode. Okay. We will also be seeing a flashback to storybook during the time of the curse, which has a real season one vibe. And my thought is that that's going to be episode 18 awake. 
If you guys remember from our last really long spoiler podcast, I talked about some set photos that were very strange between Snow and Regina because it looked like Regina had her season one hair and all the set reports kept saying that it was a flashback. So that's probably that episode. Okay. So we're going to see other saviors this season besides Emma and Aladdin. I didn't think that there were many. I don't know. They really haven't explained how saviors come to be because Aladdin's story is pretty much completely different from Emma's. So I don't really know. But the speculation right now is that we are going to see Beowulf in episode 613, Ill Boating Patterns. That title comes from the epic Beowulf. So we're thinking that maybe one of the heroes or saviors is Beowulf. Okay. An upcoming flashback will reveal some heartbreaking information. Well, of course, that always happens. That's what their flashbacks are for. And they did say that about this flashback, it would probably be the most devastating one we've ever seen. So I can't think about like what flashback or who that would even be. The heartbreaking thing kind of sounds like maybe Snow and Charming because they have, you know, shared heart. But I'm actually thinking possibly Gideon because there seems to be some really big traumas from his past with the Black Fairy. So that's my guess is yeah. that it's Gideon. And that will probably okay. come up in episode 16, Mother's Little Helper. So on the topic of Gideon, the showrunners were asked about what they could tease about him. And they said, what we can tell you about Gideon is that we're very excited. Why is Gideon doing the things he's doing? And all the questions the audience has is exactly what we want them to be asking. And we're going to be answering a lot of them in two particular flashbacks. One is Gideon's. We're going to see his entire life going from baby to 28 years old in one episode. And we're going to see the Black Fairy's origin story. That's a lot for one episode. No, it's two episodes. Two particular flashbacks. So in the first one, we'll be seeing Gideon from a baby to 28 years old, which is Mother's Little Helper. And then we're going to see the Black Fairy's origin story, which is going to be episode 19, The Black Fairy. Okay, because I was going to say that's a lot. But still, going from baby to 28 years old in one episode is pretty, uh... It's a lot. It's a lot. All right, so there were a lot of interviews that came out after the spring premiere, and one of the interviews asked about whether or not Emma would actually die, and Jennifer Morrison said, obviously no one wants to die. She's dealing with it the way she's dealt with every other crisis, which is that they're going to do everything they can to fight him, figure it out, and try not to die. It's like she hasn't faced things like this before, so it's another one of those situations, which really doesn't answer the question at all. (laughs) No, it doesn't. And... You know, we've been keeping an eye on the actors and their contracts and what they've been saying about whether or not they want to continue on to season seven. And I'm not so sure that Emma's going to survive anymore. Oh, really? Really? I, I don't know. They do seem to be setting up the fact that the Black Fairy will probably exit after episode 19. And then obviously she gets married. Emma gets married the next episode during the musical, we think. But I don't know. <sighs> There are there's a lot of rumors. And again, I have nothing concrete here, just rumors that the only cast members who so far have indicated that they want to come back are Rebecca Mater, who plays Zelina and Colin O'Donoghue, who plays Hook. Okay. everybody else kind of seems to be really up in the air, including Jennifer Morrison. And they were just pushing for season seven on their Facebook live. 
Did you see that? They were. If you guys watch the Facebook Live, and actually they said this in a couple of the interviews as well, that fans need to tell ABC that they really want a season seven. But I guess they didn't get more money to get the stars all back? Well, I don't know. I mean, there are two possibilities, I think. Either ABC is just going to cancel the entire show. Um, The ratings for our first episode back, we got a .9 in the demo. So we stayed steady from our winter finale, but, you know, we didn't rise any, which isn't great. And we're already at a fractional, which isn't great either. So I think either ABC is going to cancel the whole shebang and hopefully Adam and Eddie are prepared for that and they won't leave season six on some giant unresolved cliffhanger. Because that would annoy me so much. It would. Or the other thing they keep saying in interviews is that if there's a season seven, it's going to be a reset. It's going to be a total reboot of the series. And I think what that means is they're anticipating that several key cast members probably – um, Snow and Charming, possibly Emma, most likely Rumple, and maybe Belle are all going to leave or die or something, and that the new show will be devoid of most of our main characters, and Season 7 is trying to reboot the show into something new. Historically on TV shows, this does not work. <laughs> no, it doesn't. And I've seen a lot of fans talking about They don't necessarily want a season seven if it's not with the people that we've come to know and love over the past six years. Right. So I don't know. I think ABC has a lot of thinking to do. And I think so do Adam and Eddie, because I do not want season six to end on some horrible cliffhanger and then never, ever get an answer to it. Yeah, because that's like I said, that's so annoying. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping they maybe shoot two different endings. An ending that has resolution and an ending that has a cliffhanger that way once ABC decides they can actually air the proper ending. Because we have those two casting calls for the father and the daughter that seems to be maybe the launching off point for season seven. Okay, let's just run through a couple filming shots. Um, There hasn't been much lately. We have seen Rumpel and the Black Fairy and Storybrooke. We saw some shots of Regina and Zelina in Storybrooke. So it looks like maybe Zelina doesn't stay in Oz forever. There was some idea that she's going to go back there because she has an upcoming centric episode where she was back in her Wicked Witch of the West outfit with the green face and everything. And then we have absolutely nothing for the musical episode because it's all being shot indoors. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, they're going to keep every single thing about that episode as close to the vest as they can that's really cool because i i don't want to be spoiled i love musical episodes because buffy was one of my favorite ones ever so i really hope not to be spoiled too much with that yeah okay well that's all for this week i'm hunter you can follow me on twitter at traveling pixie i'm Jacqueline, and you can follow me on twitter at punk underscore bunny underscore 87 until next time oncers do 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 do, do.